loud and turn to First Peter chapter two and verse uh, verse nine through eleven. We're so thankful to be here. For those of you that don't don't know us, uh, we are the uh, I am the son-in-law of of your pastor, and uh, I married their youngest daughter. And we we actually lived here for a while in Tyler. We spent some time here living in your church for a little while, uh, right down here at the end of the building until the Lord called us to Dallas to be an assistant pastor, youth pastor for 10 years there. And then now we are pastoring in Austin, Texas for the past year and a half, having a great time down there in that very conservative city of Austin, Texas, where everyone goes to church and everyone loves Jesus and nothing is weird at all. It's all very normal and strange, and not, not strange at all. So we're, we're having a great time there trying to help the people of Austin find Jesus. And so pray for us, because it is an uphill climb there in Austin. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I'm not afraid of, of what's happening. I'm not scared, because if you show me all the problems, I show you a great God that is, that is itching and ready to fix all of those problems in fact, our God gets his relevance from bad things. That's what makes him God. That's what makes him great. There has to be something wrong. There has to be something going wrong. And so I bring Jesus and you're bringing Jesus to a messed up world right now. But I want to talk to every one of you today and I want us to go to 1 Peter 2 at 9. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past you were not a people. Back in, the, back in the day you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You are the people of God. Do you know who you are tonight? You're the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers, and pilgrims, you don't belong here. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. I know growing up in church, everybody wanted to know what was heaven and hell and what was sin and not sin. But I like how Peter writes, abstain from the, the fleshly lust, which war against the soul. This does not mean you will not survive whatever you're engaging in that's halfway right and halfway wrong. But, you know, I've made my mind up. There are some things I'm not going to do because they fight me. So I think the days of debating, and I'm not talking about this tonight, but I do want to make sure that I, I give you the full context. I think the days of debating heaven and hell and what's right and wrong are really, that's really immature. I think maturity says what fights me. Because I've got enough battles in my life to add another one with some of my hobbies, some of my entertainments. You think I'm going to add another fight when I've got all the hell breaking loose against me every day? You can be doing nothing wrong and have just the forces of hell fighting you. You think I'm going to add one more thing to the list? And that's why the writer said you need to be careful with the things that they fight against you. That doesn't mean you're going to lose. It means you're going to have to fight. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I don't want to fight more than I already have to fight. So get rid of the things of the world because you're the people of God anyway, and, and they're going to fight against your soul. I want to talk about our identity tonight. I want to talk about who we are tonight. I want to talk about us being the people of God. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated tonight, and thank you once again for allowing my, my wife and my family to be here. We're excited to be here, and we're looking forward to what the Holy Ghost is going to speak to us tonight. Our identity comes from the Word of God 100%. 
We are today who we are because the Bible tells us this is who we are. We will always get and gather our identity from the Scripture. That's it, bottom line. We won't make it up as we go. We won't ask people. We will ask the Word of God. What we are, what we do, what we believe comes from the Word of God. Everyone believe that tonight? The way that we, the way that we shout in church comes from the Word of God. We don't make this stuff up. We don't get together and have meetings and say, hey, let's have a loud church. You want to have a loud church? Let's vote on it. We do the things that we do because the Bible tells us to lift up our voices. The Bible tells us to laud him, which means to clap your hands and give him praise. Everything that we do, we do because we've been instructed to. It is our identity. We don't come up with these things on our own. He gives us this identity. So we do these things because we are the people of God, because it is in the Word of God. We speak in tongues because it's in the Word of God. We did not make it up. It's not something we just thought about one day. But I am not ashamed to be a tongue talker. I am so glad that I am like the people in the Bible. I don't have to defend it. I don't have to try to explain my way out of it. They did it in the Bible, and I want to do it too. I do it. I act like it. I say it because it's in the Bible. And who am I to be greater than the Word of God? My identity and your identity comes from the word of God, the way that we dress, the way that we live, what we do or do not do. We do it because it is in the word of God. My family and I dress the way we do and live the way we do because it's in the Bible, not because of any other reason. If you want to know why we dress the way we dress and act the way we act, I'll give you scriptures all day long. I will not quote a man. I will not quote a pastor. I will not quote a religion. I will not quote a denomination. I will give you a scripture, multiple scriptures, for why we do what we do. We have our identity because God gave it to us. It's, it's about time for us to get our identity of who we are. It's about time for us to stop saying it's because our pastor said or because the church that I go to says, but because God said, you need to be able to quote scriptures for why you do what you do. Take the authority back to Jesus. Boy, it feels so liberating to be able to quote scriptures when you're asked questions on the spot. It feels so good to quote the word of God. Nothing is more supreme, nothing's more powerful, nothing's more credible than the Word of God. You need to have the Word of God standing behind every decision that you make in life. There have been so many times over my, my childhood growing up in church that people could tell me why they do what they tell me what they believe in. They can't ever quote why they do it. And you know what that makes you do? It makes you go back in your shell afraid. Because when you're questioned on things you do that you don't know why you do it, you start to doubt what you believe. So that's why everybody in the church needs to go to the Word of God and find their identity because that will give you so much more joy and anointing and authority to know who you are. You need to know what you are and who you are and what you believe that we are oneness people. We're only oneness people because the Bible says there is only one God. We don't make it up. We don't watch it on TV. We don't read it inside of some random magazine. We believe in the oneness because the Bible says that there is only one God. I can talk about it forever. I believe that we must repent, be baptized in Jesus' name underwater in the, for the remission of sins, and I believe that we must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because it's in the Bible. 
I'm not going to fight or argue with anybody. There's no debate. Uh, I will take you to the scriptures. Uh, I will quote them to you and let you decide what you want to believe. But I'm going to believe the word of God. It's where I get my identity from. It's what gives me a confidence boost, knowing that I'm on the side of God and the side of God's word. I believe we must live a holy lifestyle because the Bible tells us that we must be holy. There's no options. There's no, no debate. Everyone must agree. Christian, no matter who you are, Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever you are, you must believe that we must be holy. You have to admit that. You have to say that. Now, you might disagree on what holiness is, but you at least have to say we must be holy. We are a holy people because the Bible tells us that we are a holy people. So we cannot debate that. We cannot fight against that. We know that is our identity. But more importantly, the Bible says that holiness is beautiful. And this goes back to the identity of what I believe is, is wrong with a lot of people that I meet in Pentecostal churches. Why is it that there are so many people that I meet who have so much truth, have so much doctrine, that find themselves to be so sad and so depressed and so down and out? When we have been tooting the horn of truth and doctrine for generations, you want to know the truth? We got the truth. You want to come get the truth? We got the truth. You want to go to a church that has truth? Well, we're the church that has the truth. We're the people of God, and the world is saying, where is the joy and the authority and the passion of godly people? And so, therefore, I believe the breakdown is in the identity crisis of the people of God. We have to start telling ourselves this is who we are. We have to look in the mirror and get the word out and say, this is who I am. I'm a child of God. I know who I am. I'm sure of it. I'm confident of it. I'm not cocky. I'm confident. I am a child of God. I know who I am, and I'm not afraid. I'm, I want to be bold. I want to be sure. I want to tell the world all about Jesus, but it all comes from knowing who we are. Everyone's begging for people right now to stand up against what's happening in America. And they're saying things like, where's the church at? I think we've been wondering that for a long time. We are not a quiet people. We should not be a quiet people. Now, we're not a fighting people, right? But we should not be a quiet people. We are called to be bold, full of joy, full of passion, because we are the people of God. And I have gone too long to church seeing too many people that don't really know who their father is, don't really know who they are. And I've come to lift you up and encourage you and tell you tonight, I want to help put a shot in your arm and remind you that you are the people of God. Get it through your spirit and through your mind. I've come to push somebody's spirit tonight that you're down and you're out and you don't know who you are and what spirit flows through your body right now. You are the people of God. Why are you depressed? Why are you down? Why are you sad? You've got the Holy Ghost inside of you. Why is that your spirit, your mentality, your idea? Are you the people of God tonight? We've been called out. Amen? Have you been called out? You're not there, are you, anymore? You're not back in the... You're out now. You're out now. Everybody say, I'm out now. You're out now. Let that, let that ring in your spirit tonight. You're out now. You're out now. You're out of the way you were raised in. You're out of the environment you were born into. You're out of that environment, that atmosphere, that idea. You're out now. You're out now. You're out now. Is anybody thankful tonight? You're out now. You are now the people of God. You're not those people anymore. That's not your identity.
guilty anymore. You are out now. I know a lot of people who they, they, they think that they're in, but you can't get into light if you're still living in darkness. This is impossible. This is a fallacy. This is what a lot of Christians still believe. They still believe that by going to church and still believe by having a certain look or a certain talk uh, that they are, they are now in the light. Uh, but you have to get out of the darkness uh, and be in the light. You cannot do the same, the same thing. You cannot do the dark and the light at the same time. Light and dark cannot exist in the same place. If you are out of darkness, you are in the light. You have to understand tonight, do not be deceived. You cannot be in the light and and have the characteristics of darkness still in your life. It is impossible. You're in one or the other. There's no middle ground in the church. There's no place where you're like, well, I'm just kind of that lukewarm. Oh, that's exactly what, that's exactly what Jesus said to the church in Revelation. He said there is a middle ground, but it's not right. It's not saved, and it's not going to heaven. It's the middle ground where you think that you're right, but you're not right because you're either hot or you're cold, and anything in the middle is lukewarm, and it's not the will of God for us to be in the middle. We need to make our minds up to be in this thing, to take the identity of Jesus, to walk in the places he's called us to walk. We should be out and then in. We used to be nobodies, nothing. But now we're in. Marvelous light. Because when the light showed up, the nothingness had to go. It had to leave us. So listen tonight. If you are in the light, you have to be out of darkness. There is no in between. And listen also to this. We're a chosen generation. Someone say chosen. We are a chosen generation. That's exactly right. We are a generation of purpose. We are a generation of purpose. God picked us. We were not just born. We were adopted. Amen. There was this argument one time between some two kids and then the adopted sibling. And they were trying to fight about who dad and mom loved the most. And so they were arguing back and forth. And the adopted kid kind of finally had enough of all the abuse of the, the biological children. And finally he looked at them and said, you know what? Mom and dad, they had to have you. But they picked me. You and I are the adopted ones. We're the Gentiles. We're the ones that was hand-picked by the almighty God. It is not an accident that you're here tonight. You are not an accident. You are an adoption. The Lord picked you out for a purpose. You are chosen. You are chosen. Somebody get in your spirit right now. You are chosen. Stop walking with your head down. You're chosen. I don't care where you think you are right now on your spirituality, but you're chosen. You're picked. Pick your head up because he has picked you up. You are now in the light. You may not be where you want to be, but you're chosen. You're picked by God. So lift your head up and stop being sad and miserable. Get your identity right. Tell the devil. Tell everybody against you. I'm chosen by God. But what are we chosen for? We're chosen to be a royal priesthood. Let's get the identity right. We're chosen to be a royal priesthood. Royal as in our authority. Priest as in our purpose. 
We are the priest who makes sacrifices so that sinners, family and friends who are lost and backslid can make their way to salvation. We are the go-betweens, the mediators, the in-betweens. We make the sacrifice with our authority as priests on the earth. We stand in the gap for people who refuse to pray and refuse to care. And we stand there because we know who we are. If they get to Jesus, it will be through the body of Christ. It will be through the people of God. If we're going to have revival, it comes from the identity of you knowing who you are, why you were picked, why you were chosen. You were picked for more than just coming to church and sitting there. You were picked to be a bridge. See, when you preach like this, you either have people come on board or, or just shrivel up. Because it's hard to imagine that you're not what your mom said that you were when you were growing up. It's hard to imagine that you're in a new life now. You're in a new way now. It's hard to think this way. I know. I know right now you want to think, no, he's not telling the truth. That can't be me. But are you out? Now, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just that some people are not out. And then conviction hits. If you're out, you're, you're hearing me right now. Now, if you're, if you're not out, you, you're thinking, man, I need to get in. That's what you're thinking. There are two responses to preaching like this. You find out who's really in because they start to get condemned and feel con- con- conviction. And Oh, man, I'm not out. I'm not out. I can't get with this preacher tonight. That's okay. You can, you can still get right before you leave tonight. You can still get in the light. Hey, God's not going to push you out. I'm still preaching to you if you're not in. You have the right to, to get in if you want to. You can get in this thing. But if you're already in this thing, let me preach to you and tell you, you need to take the identity of what your God has called you. So, so we're priests. In other words, we pray when nobody else prays. Don't, don't show up to Thanksgiving being like, y'all need to be praying. They're not, the, they're not the chosen ones. You are. Well, I just wish my family, your family's not in church. Don't expect them to be like that. They're not in church. Stop looking at them like they're the ones that need to change their attitude when you're the one that's chosen. You're the royal priesthood. You're the one with authority and purpose and calling. So we don't walk up at Walmart saying, all of y'all need to change your business. We are the ones that build the bridges. We pray when nobody else prays. We fast when nobody else fasts. We're at church when no one else is at church. We do this because it is our identity. We give when no one else gives. We do it. We do it. Not because of their spiritual poverty out there, because I know you see all the poverty. We do it because of our supreme authority. This has nothing to do with who they are tonight. This has all to do with who we are. I didn't come to preach about what's wrong with the world because I have no authority over the world. I only have a voice in the church. I have a voice in the kingdom of God. I have a voice of those of you who have the spirit of God living inside of you. I have a word for you tonight. If I can get you to know who you are and send you forth, you can be the people of God on the earth doing the will of God that God has for you. So find out your supreme authority tonight and do it because, not because you see all the problems out there, but because you see him. Do it because of him. Do it because you know who he is and who you are. Don't do it because of how low they are and how messed up they are. Do it because you know who he is. So after all of that progress, we go into becoming a holy nation. We graduate from individual reputation to a group reputation. We become a holy nation. 
we become recognized for our ability to work together in authority and in submission. Anybody can be a lone ranger, power star preacher, but that's not, e- that's not hard. And that's, that's, that's super easy for us to do. But here's what's hard. When power people get together and still get along well. Now that's, that's hard. And this is why the progression of all this power and all this authority and being picked and chosen, it all goes out the window when we submit one to another and become a holy nation. And that's why there's a progression in your calling. You're, you're chosen and then you're a royal priesthood, but now you're a holy nation, which means there's order. Which means all the people who got anointing and skills and talents uh, have to submit themselves to other people with skills and talents. Uh, and you can't be a lower ranger walking over people, stepping over people, abusing people in the church. Uh, that's why we have to take on the identity of a holy nation. We're not just a bunch of renegades uh, and rebels walking around thumping people in the head with Bibles. Uh, but we have submission and we have unity and we work together and we get along with each other. We have an identity and responsibility of giving getting along with each other. The world needs to see the church and all of us being a holy nation. We have our own government here in this holy nation. We have pastors and apostles and leaders and people over others. We have our own systems here in this holy nation. My favorite one of all is that the Bible says we are peculiar people. And the Greek original means that we are a purchased people. That we are a purchased people. And the Bible goes and concludes who we are by telling, telling all of us that we belong to him. We belong to Jesus. We are his, absolutely, without question, without reservation. We belong to Jesus Christ. He is ours, and we are his. He has purchased us with the blood of his life. And now today we can stand assured knowing that whatever the devil does to me, you do to him. Whatever you do to me, you do to him. We get our greatest confidence by knowing that we are purchased by the life of our God. Who can come against you if God is for you? Who can shut you down if God is for you? I feel the Holy Ghost trying to lift somebody up right now that you've been down for too long. And I've come to tell you, you are the head and not the tail. You are the church of the living God with the name of Jesus on you. I've come to tell you that when he bought you with his life, he will back you. The Lord will back what he buys. He will back what he buys. He supports you. He is with you. So rise up and be the people of God. Let's clap our hands right now and let the Holy Ghost speak to us right now. Let somebody's spirit begin to have a breakthrough right now. Can you understand that you are the people of God? Can you understand that you belong to Jesus Christ? He is my owner. How can you keep being down and depressed knowing that Jesus, you belong to him? How can you keep having suicidal thoughts knowing you're chosen, knowing you're no one you're the holy people of God how can you continue to be down and out all the time knowing that's who you are you belong to him or do you not belong to him because if you're in the light tonight you should be encouraged you should be positive you should have faith because God is on your side tonight 
How are we seen? Chosen is how God sees us. Royal priesthood is how we see ourselves when we look in the mirror. Holy nation is how the world should see us. Peculiar people is how we're able to be seen as a people that transition from darkness into light being purchased by our God. But let's go even deeper tonight. Chosen is our anointing that God gives us. Royal priesthood is our service. Holy nation is our unity and peculiar people is our identity. So we summarize everything so far tonight by telling you that we have been changed. We are not the same as when the Lord found us. We're different today than ever before in our life. We are a unique changed people. We are not the same people as when the Lord first found us. My question tonight, church, is are you different if you're not different, let's shut it down right now. Let's close the doors of the church if you're not different. Where's the hope for your loved ones and your family if you're not different? If the Lord can change you, he can change anybody. If the Lord can help you not be what you were, then there's hope for the world. So somebody let the world know that you are the people of God so that they can have hope in this turmoil, in this hate, in this drama. They need to see a church that's alive and well and strong and competent. If it's not in anointing, if it's not in servitude, if it's not in unity and identity, then you're still in darkness and you have to own it. Lord, I'm not. Any of the things he said, I've got to go back to an altar. I've got to make sure I get out of darkness and into the light. Because the way we judge and we look in the mirrors, we make sure that we're anointed. We make sure that we're serving. We make sure that we're unified. And we make sure that we have his identity. And that's how we know that we're out of darkness and we're into the light. The greatest way to know that you've been changed and you've joined up with the body of Christ is how you add to the kingdom and not take away. This is the, this is the climax of what I'm going to preach tonight. What the Holy Ghost has given me over the last few years is a message for churches and for our churches to make a shift out of being a sorrow is my sacrifice people look at my sacrifice and all that i've done i can't do this i can't do that saddest people in the world sometimes have the most hope most doctrine most power most anointing the greatest name and yet when you look at people sometimes who who look apostolic they're sad and they're beaten up and they're they don't have a spirit of joy or peace or passion. And I, I have made it my lifelong agenda that when I preach, I want to see people who have the supposed spirit of God. Let it show and manifest in their life every day. No matter how much money you make, no matter what you've been through, remember, you are now in the light. And it's marvelous. It doesn't matter how much money you make or who doesn't like you or how they treat you. You are now the anointed chosen royal priesthood in the kingdom of God. Do you know who you are tonight? Listen, here, here it is. This is the big part. When you first came to church, let's go on a journey. When you first came to church, you were either invited or you were begged to come by somebody, probably begged to come by somebody, or you just wanted to try it out because you were curious and you were going through a rough day and you showed up to church and what do they do? 
I don't know when you got in church. We've, we've come a long way. But maybe, maybe when you got in church, somebody was at the front door smiling. And maybe they had good breath. Maybe they had bad breath, but they were smiling. Who cares? There was someone there opening the door for you. Just maybe that was what was happening the day you found Jesus. And then when you, they, they came in and they gave you a little, little gift, sometimes churches give gifts, you know. It, just for coming to church, you get free stuff. That's awesome. You can walk in the door, get a gift, and leave, technically. You could. No one's going to chase you. Well, there are some people that I have met in church that will chase you down for that, that coffee mug is coming back in this house. You're, if you're not going to stay for the sermon, you don't want to get prayed over, you're not getting to keep the coffee cup, okay? Some churches got smart and gave their gifts at the end of service. They're like, yeah, when you get done praying, we'll give you a gift, okay? It's like, look, that's $3. I'm out. I'm not getting nobody messing my hair up by a bunch of Pentecostals today. I don't need that coffee cup. Another coffee cup. And so when you came to church, uh, somebody was nice to you, that someone took your kids, and you were just like, thank you, Jesus. They're like, can we take your kids for an hour? They're like, yes, please. Please take my kids for the rest of the day. In fact, if you just want to keep them this week and just minister, I will be fine with that. Just thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayer. That's, I think well, half, half the parents in church probably come so the kids can get rid of them for about an hour. Just, y'all deal with them, okay? Just get rid of them. I need to have a break. Half of y'all probably praying because your kids are not with you, and you just finally can just let it out. You just get a break. And you came to church, and no one knew you, and they treated you so good. Man, it felt good to be a guest, didn't it? Everybody shook your hand. Never got more handshakes. Pastor come up and talk to you. Made you feel all welcome and good and warm inside. And you had such a good time when you first came to church. People trying to take you out to eat. People trying to teach you Bible studies. Man, it felt good to be that guest coming in brand new and from the darkness. Boy, it felt good to be in the darkness just for a moment. Felt so good to be in the darkness, treated good by people because he was brand new and the church was here for people like you. You were handed everything you needed. You had a sound tech back there making sure it all sounds good. You had kids ministry, youth ministry that served. You had after, uh, sometimes they do food after church, which is why a lot of people came to church in the first place. I was like, hey, you want to go service? No, there's going to be food. All right, I'll see you there. Y'all know how it works. It's like hot dogs real big and on the flyer and it's like preaching. Hot dogs, preaching. Or it'd be like music, preaching, right? And people come out for that. All that service, all those good things, somebody preached for you, you didn't drop one penny in the offering plate. You sat there for free the whole service. You, you loved it. It was a blast. They preached. They said you can make it out of the hole that you're in. They sang songs and they got up early and they practiced so you could enjoy that music. Oh, you sat back and you had the best time. But then one day you messed up. You know how you messed up? You came down here and got the Holy Ghost. <sighs> Great. Now I'm a, I'm a part of the church. Now I'm a member. Anybody want to do pre peanut brittle? Peanut brittle. Peanut brittle. If you're a member of the church, peanut brittle, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, peanut brittle. And right there you realized one of the worst decisions you ever made was getting the Holy Ghost in this church. Can anybody clean up this Saturday? If you're a member of the church, can you clean up this Saturday? Is anybody a member? You're like, yes, unfortunately. I am a member of the church now. Hey, where you at, brother? How come you weren't at church? I was playing golf. Why does it? Well, you're a member now, so you need to come to church. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Thanks for waking me up. Well, you had it so good when you were a guest because, you see, when you were in the darkness, you didn't have to give anything. See, when you were in the darkness, you, you were there to be served. 
But then when you got on the other side, y'all starting to see where I'm going now? <laughs> this is how some folks can find out if they're in the light or not. When you got on the other side, now you were the one greeting at the door. Now you were the one early at the prayer meeting. Now you were the one cleaning the building. Now you were the one singing on the platform. Now you are the one running the media. Now you are the one teaching in the class. Now you are the one serving others. You see what happens when you get bought with a price and you become chosen and royal and have authority and salvation? You now become the thing that people need. Are you the thing people need? Or are you still the one asking for stuff? When I was praying about the condition of churches, the Lord showed me a picture that I just showed you of how you can know whether you're really in or you're out. And this is what the Holy Ghost showed me. If you're taking all the time, but you're not giving, we're glad you're here, but don't keep telling yourself you're in the light. You're still acting like a guest because you are one. That's not bad. That doesn't mean you should leave. What it means is understand which side of salvation you're on. Understand, understand that we're still reaching for you because you have not been reached. You still kind of feel like you're on the outside because you don't serve. And it's nothing wrong. It's just you haven't quite made your mind up yet whether you want to be purchased by God. Because, you know, when you're purchased by God, you can't do what you want. There is a massive trade-off. All of a sudden, they throw your name on that roll, and they expect you to be at every service. And all of a sudden, they're asking you to do things like pay your tithes and give offering. And now, I've got to come early, and I've got to cook, make the coffee, and I've got to hug, and I've got to teach and serve and serve others, and I've got to do all of this. And all of a sudden, you went from the receiver to the investor. You had it so easy before you got saved. You could have just been lazy and lost. But, man, you wanted more. You wanted to have hope, eternity, eternal hope. You wanted out of darkness. You wanted to be free of drugs and alcohol and addiction and the past and the depression. And you know, you're sitting here with a choice. You can give all of that up, but you now must be in this light. You now have to serve others. You now have to get your mind off yourself and put it on someone else. You see, now the, the roles have reversed. You have become what you first needed when you came to church. You became the helper and not the taker. The Apostle Paul, let me give you some reference before we close tonight. The Apostle Paul was first called Saul. He was a Christian killer. He would kill Christians for preaching Jesus. But one day, God shined a bright light and knocked him off his high horse. He was blinded for three days until he found the man of God to heal him. And from that moment, he went into ministry training for Jesus Christ. It didn't take very long for him to start preaching what he used to persecute. Because when you get out of darkness into this marvelous light, you start to preach what you used to persecute. You start to serve where you used to get sick. You start to do things that you never thought you'd do because when the Lord gets a hold of you real good, you stop saying stuff like, let's go get mad. Let's be angry. Let's fight. And you start saying, let me serve. Let me find a way to give. Let me find a way to lift you up. Let me find a way to get involved. Hey, pastor, sign me up. I want to be a part. I am now a giver. I am now a server. I am now chosen. I am now in the middle. I know who I am. 
You've been on both sides of the fence, and I will tell you there, there is no place like the light. And that's why the writer said, let's call it marvelous. Because sometimes people don't see that living in the light is marvelous. And the devil is a lie. The light is still marvelous. There's no better place than serving in the kingdom of God. There's no better way to, to show my love for God than give him my 10%. You can have it, Jesus. You saved me. You set me free. I'll clean this church every day of the week if it means getting to be in this kingdom. David said, I'd rather be. David said, I'm fine being a doorkeeper. I just want to be in the house. That's what happens when you get when you get saved, is you're just glad to be here. You're just you're just glad to be here. You're just glad to be washed. You're glad to be clean. You're glad to not have the addiction anymore. You see, it's far greater now than what it was before. And when you truly find the light, you no longer think about yourself because you realize, listen to me, now you're in the light. And this is what the Holy Ghost showed me about people that aren't really in the light. They always want attention. Because they never get any from God. But when you get in the light, you already have all the attention that you need. I'm chosen. I have his name on me. He's got my back. You stop saying stuff like, and nobody loves me. Are you serious? I feel the Holy Ghost talking to someone right now. And no one cares about me. Oh, no, look up, look up. You're in the light, my friend. You stop saying silly things like, and nobody shook my hand. Nobody has to shake your hand. You're the handshaker. You're the handshaker. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. Why do they have to shake your hand? You're the one with the ministry. They're the lost people. They're the broken people. What do you mean nobody shook your hand? Whose hand did you shake? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're in the light, you stop asking what people can do for you. Do you know who you are tonight? If you are the people of God, you stop saying, it's all about me. Never got taken out to eat. Never thought about my birthday. Never talked to me. They passed me up. They passed me up. You used to always say stuff like, it's all about me. That means you're not in his light. Because when you're in his light, you're satisfied. You're good. You have everything that you need in his light. You know who you are. You know where you're going. Everything's good. And you have this assurance that nobody can mess up your joy. That nothing can take away your salvation. You know that when you walk with the Lord, you know you're safe. You're covered. And nobody can stop you. Only God can stop you. Only you and Jesus can stop what you've got going on. I'm so glad the Lord helped me understand that nobody can shut down my church when I, that I pastor except me and Jesus. 
No devil in hell, no member of my church can do a thing against it unless my God lets it happen. I'm so thankful to know tonight who I am. I know that I will have money in the bank as long as God wants me to, and none of y'all can stop it. Nobody can fight against it. I'm so glad my car will keep running as long as my God says it needs to run. Nobody can do a thing against the purchase, the peculiar people of God. Do you know who you are tonight? Are you glad to be? Be the people of God tonight. Holy Ghost, I want you to talk to somebody's heart right now. Help them, Lord, to realize who they are. God, let this be the most cheerful people, upbeat people, happy people, joyful people in all the world. Let the world see you broke down and happy at the same time. Let them see you get demoted and still have a praise at the same time. The light is on me tonight. I shall not be insecure. Insecurity, leave this place right now in the name of Jesus Christ. You are the people of God. Stop waiting on somebody else to light your fire. Stop waiting on somebody else to bring you joy. It is not your husband's job to help you be happy. It is not your wife's job to help you have joy. You're in the light. You've got everything you need. In the name of Jesus, we break the victim mentality that's trying to creep into the church that's in the world. You are not a victim. You are a victor. You are not a victim. You are a victor. You have the name of Jesus on you. Why are you letting everything in this world mess you up? You are a victor. It's not the side of town you live on. It's not the way they treat you. It's not about privilege. I am privileged. Not because I'm white or I'm black or I'm a Mexican, but because the name of Jesus is on me. I am privileged. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. Talk to us tonight, Jesus. All this darkness is going around the earth right now. There's so much turmoil. You watch the news. It makes you want to makes you want to go choke. You can't stand what's happening. But all I know is this. With all this hurt going around the world, I know people can stay busy giving hugs and handshakes and love. If you ever wanted a position in the kingdom of God, you've got one now. Because there's never been a better time for the light to shine. There's never been a better time for someone to show some love and some care and some help. There's never been a better time for the church to rise up and be the church. There's never been more need than people that have joy and peace and confidence to stand up and be who you have been called to be. You are the people of God tonight. We have a city to reach. You have hurting people out there that need you. Who will they meet when they meet you? Who will they meet when they find out you go to church? Someone with joy. Someone with peace. Somebody with anointing. Someone who knows who they are. I, I don't know if maybe somewhere someone preached a long time ago that we weren't allowed to be happy because it would be like pride. Is that the fear? That with your head up, walking around, that you're proud? You're not proud. You're blessed. 
You, you have confidence. There's a massive difference in confidence and pride. See, confidence knows where you get your answers and power from. It comes from the Lord. It looks the same on the surface, but it has a different origin. It comes from Jesus. I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. I know why I'm blessed. It's because I'm submitted to God. It's not coming across as pride. It's coming across as, as confidence. This is not a personality thing tonight. This is identity. Not personality. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you can't dress cool or you have education or not. I don't care where you come from. What matters is if you have gotten out of the darkness into the light, then you're the people of God. And if you're the people of God, then it's time for us to manifest what it means to be the people of God or else go back into prayer, go back in the altar and get prayed through again. It's the only solution. The church has, has one option. Be who we're called to be. We have no other option. We either go back and pray through again and become those people or we are a fake hypocrisy to our world. I preach it all the time now. I preach, get off the ground. Get off the ground. Get up. You're the people of God. Do you know your name? Do you know how much he gave to get you up? He gave everything to get you up. I've never said those words in this message before. He gave everything to, to get you out of where you are. Everything. The Great Bellhout program has taken place around 2,000 years ago. Our God gave himself up so that you could get up. Why are you still down while he dies in vain? Why do you still have your head down in depression, needing the medicine and the pills and the drugs when you have the gift of the Holy Ghost? Your suit and tie does not impress me tonight. I don't care how dressed up you look. Put your religion down and get joy. Get peace. When that video camera scans this crowd and you're running across the front, there should be smiles, high fives, and we're going to make it through. Our testimony, the most beautiful testimony to the world, is a church that is, has joy and has hope and confidence that we know who we are and where we are going, and that is the will of God for our identity. Would you close your eyes before my wife takes the closing of the service? And can we search deeply? Can we search deeply of our purpose, of who we are? I'm preaching tonight to people who, for so long, you have just merely existed. I had a man the other day, I heard through the grapevine, that he, he said that, that his dad, who's been in church for a very long time, is the reason why he won't go to church. Listen to me tonight. I heard that there is a man who has an apostolic father who said the reason I will not go to church is because I can't find that holy man on Sunday throughout the rest of the week. He doesn't manifest salvation on a daily basis. Only when he's at church does he look the part. And there are hurting people who won't come back to our churches You've got loved ones who said, I'm done with Pentecost. And the reason is because we think that 
that our sacrifices in our sorrow or our sacrifices in our, our long face or our sacrifices in our dress and our outfits. But sacrifice should produce joy. Something should come from the sacrifice. Sacrifice is not the ending, it's the beginning. Sacrifice is at the front of it's at the front of the tabernacle. It's not the end. You enter in with sacrifice. You leave with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You begin with a sacrifice. You end with a testimony. You end with the glory. You end with a shine. You end with light. You end with a story to tell because you are the people of God. So whatever it is hindering you from having joy, can we end it all tonight? Right here, right now? Can we end it all right now? Can we let whatever it is, the sacrifice that you need to make uh, to step on into the light, uh, can you get it over with tonight? Uh, because you're living in limbo. You're living off the world but not in heaven. You're on a cross uh, and you refuse to die. And you're miserable because you're suspended. You're miserable. You look like you're dead but you have no life. And it's not the will of God for you. And if you are a tongue-talking apostolic, then it is the will of God for you to walk on top, to walk over, to rise above, to be over the things that come your way, to be someone over the problems and the pain. We are the people that take pain. Nobody can take pain like a Pentecostal. Nobody can take pain like us. We are the cross carriers. We can have pain and joy. At the same time. Before the, the Lord does a work in this place, speaking and transitioning from pain to praise, my wife, I wanted to testify and I wanted us to worship, and the Holy Ghost will bless tonight.